On November 5th, the most important presidential election really in the history of our country, in my opinion, is going to take place, or at least it is supposed to. If, and, and I'm going to repeat if, Joe Biden and Donald Trump run against each other, it proves to be certainly an epic year indeed. We'll look at the upcoming election from a prophetic perspective because I want you to know what's going on in the news right now on this edition of The End Time Show. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries. I do thank you for joining me on this edition of the End Time Show. Now, before we get started, I want to let you know that a lot of you in Florida have asked, when are you guys going to come to Florida? Well, we're getting ready to come just in a few weeks. On March the 2nd and March the 3rd, I will be at Pastor Jimmy Tony's church in the Pentecostals of Gainesville, in Gainesville, Florida. That's 8105 Northwest 23rd Avenue in Gainesville. The phone number to the church is 352-376-6320. March 2nd from 6 to 8 p.m. I'll be doing the Green Horseman and World War III, the brand new lesson, very timely. And then on March 3rd at 10.30, or at 10 a.m. to 12 p.m., I'll be doing Breaking Prophetic Fulfillments and we'll be doing a Q&A session. So looking forward to being in Gainesville this coming March 2nd and March 3rd. And we'll be announcing this a few more times before we go, but man, looking forward to being with Pastor Tony uh, and his wife and church family down there. Okay, now, we don't know 100%, I mean, anything could happen, but we don't know 100% who the candidates will be in the November presidential election. However, just for the sake of today's conversation, Let's say the candidates end up being former President Trump and President Joe Biden. I mean, think about it. These guys could not be any more diametrically opposed on every single issue. I mean, just for a second, let's set prophecy aside. Consider the issues of abortion. Trump is a no. Joe Biden is an absolute yes. Do they want to force the LGBTQ agenda? Trump? No. Biden? Absolutely yes. Do they want to advocate for transgender access to bathroom locker rooms based on their gender identity? Trump? No. Biden? Absolutely. Do they want to put regulations on businesses? Trump? No. He wants to, he, look what he did. He decreased the regulations on businesses. Joe Biden? Increased regulation on businesses. Military spending. Trump would increase that. He had to build it up from how it was so much it was depleted in the administration before him. Biden, he wants to decrease military spending and weaken our military. Foreign policy. Uh, of course, Donald Trump was America first. Joe Biden was pro-globalism, pro-the establishment, pro-the international community, pro-world government. Um, global warming. Trump said it was a hoax, which it is. Uh, global, it's human-induced global warming which leads to climate change. Hoax. Joe Biden believes that it's a fact. On the economy, of course, look at Trump's 
there was under Trump administration, record stock markets, um, soaring economy, Biden, inflation's up, horrible economy. Uh, protect borders, Trump, absolutely, let's build a wall. Joe Biden, no. And I'm going to get into that in great detail here in just a moment because there's a lot of things happening in America I don't think you know about. The Second Amendment rights, Donald Trump, pro-Second Amendment, the right to keep and bear arms. Joe Biden, he is pro-heavy restrictions on that. And, of course, you know the list goes on and on and on and on forever. So, basically, on every major issue, these guys are diametrically opposed. But, what I want to do today is, from a prophetic perspective, the main issue is much bigger. you got to step back out of it, because you can get mesmerized and you can't see the forest for the trees, right? So I want to step back out of it. Look at the big picture. What's really going on here? Why, what drives Joe Biden and what is, what's his ideology? What, what makes him make all these decisions and stand in these um, certain positions on these different issues? What's his mindset that's driving him? We're going to get into that today uh, in great detail. And I want to tell you about some things going on in the news. First, let me mention First Cup Coffee. You know, you can imagine that we're essentially working around the clock to keep up with all of this news. We're certainly energized and motivated by our God-given purpose, but thankfully we're also fueled by First Cup Coffee. First Cup Coffee, they're not a woke organization. They haven't tried to rewrite the history books or lobbied to defund our military, which is a good thing. But they, these guys, are, they're a Christian-owned Patriot Coffee Company right out of good old Texas. They've got many different roasts to choose from, and the, each of them are, are named after a specific piece of American history. And it's pretty cool. So go to firstcup.com, use code ENDTIME to get 10% off. If you subscribe, they'll actually give you another 10% off. And so go to firstcup.com, use code ENDTIME to get your 10% off today. Now, like I said, I mean, I've said this before, and we'll say it again before November 5th. The number one issue by far in America's presidential campaign is globalism. Most people cannot even define globalism, but it is ruling many people's lives that can't even define it. And this one issue is going to determine, it's going to determine the future course of the United States of America. Um, globalism is simply the belief that the nation state, where a nation would protect its borders and have its own government and they're just, it's, it's uh, nationalism, that that nation state is obsolete. That's, ah, that's old news. We're moving into something else. Well, what is that something else? It's that the world must move into a system of global governance. Can't have different nation states. That's why they go to war and blah, blah, blah. But we need to move into a system of global governance. Clearly stated, these globalists, of which Joe Biden is one, they believe national borders should be dissolved and a one-world government should be instituted. Now, this is what we're living with right now. You want to know the ideology behind Joe Biden and what drives him. You say, well, he's got people over him. He's just a puppet. I understand that. But what is driving him? What is his thought process? He's the president, and so he has to abide by what he's being told and believe in it and help perpetuate it. So... Of the two presidential candidates, one is a globalist, world government first, 
and the other is a nationalist, America first. You saw what President Trump did in his last four years. You say, Dave, uh, you're 100% Donald Trump. No, I'm not. I absolutely am not. I do not agree uh, with many things he did. However, there are some things that Donald Trump did that were prophetic, and we, we had to talk about it. We couldn't help it. Um, and pulling us out of many of these things, of the world governing tentacles around the world, lifting regulations off of businesses, the economy screaming, many things that happened, he did that were a good thing. Every single thing he did, no, I didn't agree with. But we're going to talk about it today because November 5th is going to be here like that, you guys. Time is smoking. And so let, let me show you what this looks like in real life, this world government, a globalist versus a nationalist. On December 23rd, 2016, I'm going to start you back in history a little bit and then bring you back up to here to now. And then I'm going to do that over and over throughout the program. December 23rd, 2016. As really a parting shot to Israel, the Obama-Biden administration abstained from voting on U.S. Security Council Resolution 2334, and that allowed uh, it to become international law. Item number one of the U.S. Security Council Resolution 2334, it clearly states that Israel's presence in East Jerusalem is a flagrant violation of international law. It says this, and I'm quoting, the establishment by Israel of settlements in the Palestinian territory occupied since 1967, including East Jerusalem, has no legal validity and constitutes a flagrant violation of international law and a major obstacle to the achievement of a two-state solution and a just, lasting, and comprehensive peace. So this is the mindset of the international community against the eastern section of the city of Jerusalem. Now, this is the mindset of Joe Biden. And this is an anti-Israel stance. So when I say Joe Biden has been straddling the fence with being pro-Israel but then being pro-world government, straddling a fence is not very comfortable if you've ever done it. Right? So. Let me talk about Joe Biden's involvement in all of this. Back on December 27th, two days after Christmas, 2016, and this was in between the time when Obama had been, or Obama was going out of office, the lame duck session, and Trump was getting, well, hadn't been inaugurated yet, December 27th. In 2016, the Tablet Magazine published an article titled, A Phone Call from Biden is Said to Precipitate the Ukraine's UN yes vote on Resolution 2334. So what happened? Well, the tab, back then I did an article on this. The Tablet Magazine confirmed that one tangible consequence of this, the high-level U.S. campaign, was a phone call from then Vice, Vice President Joe Biden to the Ukrainian president. The guy's name was Petro Poroshenko. Hope I got that right. And it's, the phone call succeeded in changing the Ukrainian president's vote from an expected abstention to a yes. Because according to one of the U.S. national security sources, the Obama-Biden administration, they needed to have a 14 to 0. It, this was on the, in the U.S. Security Council. They needed a 14 to 0 vote 
to justify what this source called the optics of its own abstention. They wanted to say, well, we abstained. Everybody else voted yes, but the United States, we abstained. We didn't vote. Well, actually, not voting was a yes vote. And so, but Biden was very influential in getting this across the finish line. So um, there was a question put out. Did Biden put pressure on the Ukrainians? Well, the answer is categorically yes. And that was stated by a high-placed figure within the Israeli government with strong connections to the Ukrainian government sources who confirmed to Tablet magazine that the Americans have put direct pressure on both the Ukrainian delegation and on Poroshenko personally in Kiev, Ukraine. Now, United States and Ukraine, they're working together way back then, and that Biden told them to do this, to, to simply to vote yes and not to abstain, the source confirmed that that was an absolute 1,000% truth. So, while President Obama and Joe Biden were trying to hurt Israel, because this is an anti-Israel resolution, it's probably going to be one of the resolutions they use for the war governing armies to come down against Israel to enforce this resolution. So while President Obama and Joe Biden were trying to hurt Israel, and uh, President, uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu of Israel knows very well that this happened, and they were trying to bind the incoming um, President Trump's administration, his future peace efforts, newly elected President Trump, while all this was happening, he wasn't even inaugurated yet, and he was trying to stop it. Foreign Policy Minist uh, Magazine published an article that... Um, stated that uh, Flynn, the title of it was Flynn pressured the UN on Israel vote before, it, before taking office. So it stated this, and I'm going to quote here, nearly a month before Donald Trump was sworn in as president, Michael Flynn, his national security advisor designate, and other members of the president's transition team launched a vigorous diplomatic bid to head off a UN Security Council vote condemning Israeli settlements. So they were trying to ward off this vote. It would have, it would have, um, it would have stopped, because all we, all, uh, what was her name, Samantha Powers, all she would have had to do was to raise her hand and voted no, and the resolution would have been dead, because we're one of the five victor nations of World War II, and we've got power, the five um, victor nations, we have, we've got power on the UN Security Council to veto anything. All she would have had to do is raise her hand but we abstained and allowed it to pass. So it was cool because the incoming Trump administration, they were trying to stop it. The problem is they were unsuccessful. However, we now know something very important about the then Democratic presidential candidate. Joe Biden is a globalist. And therefore, this is very important. I want to state this again. Joe Biden's a globalist and therefore he will act in the best interest of the international community given the opportunity against Israel and against the United States. You say, whoa, 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 now, hold on. He's the president of the United States. You're being disrespectful. I'm respectful of the office. But the fact of the matter is when somebody does something that is diametrically opposed to our Constitution and is anti-America, then you got you to take a second look at, at the individual, right? And say, man, 
is this somebody we really want to continue on? Again, a lot of people get the misconception that I'm 100% Donald Trump. I'm 100% America. And whether it's Donald Trump or who it is, I want somebody that is going to come in there and help America. I want him to help America so America can flourish and we can help other nations around the world that we choose to help. I don't want to have our wealth redistributed because that we're under the reins of a world government. That's communism. That's socialism. We don't want that. But I want America to flourish because that's what Americans do. You take the regulations off and Americans produce. And so I want America to flourish. So that way if we want to support Israel, if we want to support any nation we want to, we do it voluntarily. That's the way the thing is supposed to work. But, so whether it's Donald Trump or anybody else, Donald Trump doesn't know me and I don't know him. But of the two, which one do you think is going to be more apt to do that? Okay? So let me prove that th this scenario to you using some more recent events. On Monday, November 18th of 2019, U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, he announced a major reversal of the U.S. longstanding policy on Israel settlements in the occupied West Bank. And it's actually not occupied, it's disputed territory. They, the, um, Mike Pompeo, the Trump administration, uh, rejected a 1978 State Department legal opinion that deemed the settlements, uh, the, the Jewish settlers out in the West Bank, that they were inconsistent with the international law. So, at the time, Mike Pompeo said, look, after carefully studying all the sides of the legal debate, the establishment of Israeli civilian settlements in the West Bank is not, per se, inconsistent with international law. In other words, it's not illegal. And Pompeo was citing basically what President Reagan said back in 81, and his assessment was that the settlements were not inherently illegal. So the Trump administration said, no, we agree with that. They're not illegal. Doesn't matter what the international community says. Doesn't matter what Resolution 2334 says. The United States' position is, we don't agree with that. So, according to the Trump administration, Israeli settlements not viewed as being illegal, regardless of what international law says. Which, of course, is the correct stance, biblically, historically, and every other way imaginable. Well, this past Monday, the Jerusalem Post reported that U.S. President Joe Biden and Egypt's foreign ministry warned Israel against military options in Gaza's Rafa, which is all the way down. Israel has fought their way all the way down through Gaza. Now they're right there at the bottom with the border of Egypt and Gaza. And as Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu turned to the American media to explain that such a step, them going into Rafa, is a necessity for an Israeli victory against Hamas, Joe Biden reaffirmed his view that a military operation in Gaza should not proceed without a credible and executable plan for ensuring the safety and the support of the more than one million people sheltering there. Uh, and the White House said that after a call. Well, the fact is, is that Netanyahu and them have a plan. I just read today about a plan they have to move all of them out into shelters so they can go in there and wipe out Hamas. Now, what other army would do that? Most armies would go in, collateral damage. I mean, the United States bombed Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Were we concerned about collateral damage at that point? No. 
We dropped the bomb right in the middle of the city. But you now here, um, here's Biden and other nations around the world saying, no, no, you can't go in there. You've got to watch out for the, the people. I agree. Innocent people, they shouldn't have to die. It's a dicey situation. And Netanyahu and them, they're trying to do the best they can to keep that from happening. They've warned them to leave and where they were going to go and bomb all the way since the beginning. So Netanyahu, he responded that the Rafah operation is necessary but would take place only after civilians have been evacuated, according to an Israel source. So Israel's push for a Rafah operation, and now this is happening in your news today, folks. Israel's push. They went down there and they, they went on a special a forces mission the other morning and, and got two hostages back. One of the most daring operations in Israel's history. So Israel's push for this Rafah operation comes at it is under heavy international pressure to halt the war and amid growing tension with the Biden administration, which has not sought to hide its frustrations with Israel even as it continued to support its battle against Hamas. So on Thursday, Biden said that the IDF's military operation in Gaza was already over the top and issued a security memorandum that linked military aid, including to Israel, with adherence to the international humanitarian law in conflict zones. The Biden administration has also been concerned about Israel's future plans for Gaza, particularly in light of Netanyahu's opposition, uh, Netanyahu's opposition to the Palestinian state and calls by members of his government to, to rebuild the settlements the IDF withdrew from there in 2005. Now, Listen at this next paragraph very closely. Because remember what I said about Revol Resolution 2334 and that it deemed the Israeli settlements in the, uh, past the, beyond the 1967 borders as illegal. Donald Trump come along and said, no, that's not true. They're not illegal. That's disputed territory. They're actually Israeli's property, period. Well, the fact of the matter is, now, remember... Joe Biden's, Joe Biden and the Obama, they were influential in getting Resolution 2334 passed. Donald Trump said, no, we don't recognize that. As a result of this, the Cannes News reported that in light of the calls for Israel to retain control of Gaza, the Biden administration was considering declaring the West Bank settlements. I have friends that live out in those settlements. Some of them come to our Jerusalem Prophecy College that I teach every Thursday morning. But the Biden administration is considering declaring the West Bank settlements that they are illegal again, reversing the Trump administration's decision. And such a step would, the article says, would rescind a Trump administration declaration that the West Bank settlements were not inconsistent with international law. So folks, uh, it has been proven over and over and over again that President Joe Biden is a globalist and will act in the best interest of the international community against Israel and even the United States if necessary. And I'm going to prove that to you in great detail as we go along here, more than I just did. He's now acted in the interest of the international community against Israel. I'm going to show you how he's acting in the best interest of the international community as a globalist against the United States. 
First, let me mention Birch Gold. You know, the, uh, like the, we're talking about world government here, and uh, globalists and these enthusiasts that, that and I'm going to get into digital currencies if I have time today, but they want to impose digital currencies and digital IDs and on their respective populations. And what it's going to do, it's going to allow officials to prohibit you from purchasing certain products or freeze or seize your bank accounts, which is very prophetic. So in essence, it enables governments or central banks to take more control over your money. Concerned Americans are diversifying their assets, many of them, not all of them, but many of them, into physical gold with the help of Birch Gold Group. If you want a physical asset held in a tax-sheltered retirement account, go to birchgold.com slash endtime to get your free info kit on gold. If maybe you've got an IRA or a 401k from a previous employer just gathering dust, Birch Gold can help you convert it into an IRA in gold. And you don't have to pay a penny out of pocket. So go to birchgold.com slash endtime, claim your free info kit on gold, because if digital currency becomes a reality, you may want to have some gold to fall back on. So when, when we get back, let me give you an, another example here of Joe Biden where he would, his globalist mindset, and again, I know he's part of the establishment, the deep state, a global establishment, a global deep state. I get it. And this is all, it's very prophetic. World Government 101. It's Revelation chapter 13. But when Joe Biden was sworn in as president, he said these words, and I'm quoting. And I just watched the video earlier of him saying it. He said, I do solemnly swear or affirm that I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States and will, to the best of my ability, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. Well, Article 4, Section 4 of the United States Constitution says this, and I'm quoting, The United States shall guarantee to every state in this union, including Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, and California. Now, I, I said those four states. They're part of this. Guarantee to every state in this union a Republican form of government and shall protect each of them against invasion and on application of the legislature or of the executive when the legislature cannot be convened against domestic violence. So, against invasion, remember that. Well, man, I'm coming up to a, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it before the break here, but um, you, you can tell where I'm going here, right? Because I've got some new information on the southern border, some new information on the northern border. You say, on the northern border, what are you talking about? In the last few months, they've had thousands of people come in illegally just in the last few months from 55 different countries, folks. There's an invasion happening on both borders now. We've got the strongest military in the, in the world. Why can't we protect our own borders? It's by grand design. We'll talk about it on the other side of the break. A voice spoke to me and said, I've got something I want to show you. I was so sure God had talked to me. And I was stunned by what I saw. A direct fulfillment 
of this over 2,500-year-old prophecy. The United States will stand with Israel. Why haven't I ever seen this before? One-third of humanity will die. What do these beasts symbolize? The lion, the bear, the leopard. The combined beast from Revelation 13 represents the end-time government of the Antichrist. Understanding the end time. Now streaming on End Time Plus and available to order at endtime.com slash UET. Go to endtime.com slash UET or call 800 end time. What if you could understand Bible prophecy? Dave Robbins, the host of the End Time Show's TV and radio programs, is holding a free prophecy conference near you. Gain peace and understanding about what the Bible says concerning end time prophecy. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com slash events to see when Dave will be in a location near you. You know, everyone, when we talk about all this, I want you to know that I don't, I don't hate Joe Biden. I, I don't understand him. I don't like some of the things he does. But as a Christian man, I would love to sit him down and talk to him and teach him a Bible study. Because he certainly needs one. But the fact is, is that he's doing many things that are prophetic. He's, he is pushing America right into a world governing body. I don't believe America will be fully engaged in the world governing body in the end time. But the fact is, there are people here in the United States that would absolutely love to do that, and Joe Biden is one of them. He's got a, he's got a decades-old track record of him being a globalist, supporting a world governing body. So I talked to you earlier about the Constitution obligates the president to protect our borders, protect the states against an invasion. And we certainly have an invasion right now. I just read um, this morning where under the, under, just under the last three, three plus years of the Biden administration, four million people have come across our borders. Four million, you guys. Thousands and thousands and thousands every month. Thousands and thousands and tens of thousands. Thousands a day. So under the Biden administration, we basically have an open southern border. Now we've got an open northern border as well. They're coming across from Canada now. I read where you can get a ticket from one way from Mexico to Canada, 325 bucks. And, and, and illegals are flying over there like crazy and just walking into New York and uh, Connecticut and New Hampshire and all the northern states are just pouring across. So we basically have an open border on both sides of our country, north and south. And we're experiencing an invasion. Millions of people are pouring across the border illegally from all over the world. States you've never heard of. And there is the escalating crisis of violence, drugs. Now, I'm not saying every single person that's coming across is doing that. Okay? But I'm saying they're, they're coming across illegal, number one. So they're already illegal. 
And there's violence, drugs, criminal activity, human uh, and sex trafficking. And it's executed by many of these dangerous individuals. I understand that some people of them may be innocent. I get it. But there are, there are still some that have come into this country, killed people. I just read where this one guy down here in South Texas um, uh, hit, a, there was a hit and run and he left a little 10-year-old boy in traction in a hospital fighting for his life. Uh, just crazy stuff. So, President, again, President Biden is constitutionally required to take immediate steps to protect these states. I live in Texas. But why doesn't he? Okay, well, the goal of every globalist, along with the United Nations, is the removal of national borders and the creation of a single global community which answers to a world government. That's the goal of a globalist. And for this to happen, nations need to throw their borders open. And that is exactly what the United Nations Global Compact for Migration is designed to do. I want you to remember that. The GCM the Global Compact for Migration. According to the United Nations' own website, the Global Compact is a significant opportunity to improve the governance on migration, to address the challenges associated with today's migration, and to strengthen the contribution of, migra of migrants and migration to sustainable development. So they're pushing their sustainable development goals, which is the socialistic blueprint of the United Nations to govern every person on the planet. There are 17 goals. Goal number 10 of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals is to reduce inequality within and among countries. Target 10.7, they've got seven, they got targets under the goals. One of them is, of this goal, is to facilitate orderly, safe, regularly, and responsible migration and mobility of people, including through the implementation of planned and well-managed migration policies. You think all this migration across our southern border is an accident? Is that what you think? Do you know? The United Nations is implementing a planned and well-managed migration policy, folks. They're trying to equal out the people around the world. And when you want one nation, you can't defeat it militarily then what do you do? When they've got open borders, you can move your military-aged men in there and they can be taken down from within. You say, oh, Dave, come on. You're trying to sensationalize this. Well, the Gatestone Institute, it's a great news source. If you guys ever need a good, reliable news source, it's one of the many that I use, the Gatestone Institute. They've got an article in there today, February 13th. China's infiltrators, they are coming to kill us. That's the name of the, that's the title of the article. And it talks about there are tens of thousands of Chinese military-aged individuals that have come across illegally into America and within weeks, they've been spying on them, within weeks, They've got guns, they're training, they, they actually found, they found a, uh, in Reedley, California, near Fresno, authorities have found a secret Chinese biological weapons lab 
with at least 20 pathogens, including the one for Ebola and almost 1,000 mice that have been genetically engineered to spread the disease. Now, this isn't over in Ukraine. This isn't in, uh, in the outskirts jungles of China. I'm talking about near Reedley, California, near Fresno. And that these, the, they, these people are, they said, well, what are they waiting on? Well, they're waiting on intelligence. They're building their own military, they're building like these, like a military infrastructure here. They are, they've already possessing um, firearms and a lot of different things and just waiting. Tens, it says tens of thousands of military aged men have come across our border and now in America, organized by group and nationality. And it says, uh, we are, this guy named Holt, we are vulnerable to attack, our enemies eager, eagerly await. I was talking to some of my pr uh, production guys before we came on the program today, and I said, you know, guys, I, this is getting crazy. I, and I want you, I'm not going to go through it, but I want you to go read the article from Gatestone Institute, Chinese, China infiltrators, they're coming to kill us. This is not sensationalistic. This is here. And... I told them, I said, you know, if it wasn't for God, then I, might, I would have some fear. I, I, I told them, I said, if it wasn't for God, if I didn't have God in my life, I might be a prepper. I might move. Because America's getting pretty dicey. Imagine living in a country where your borders are not protected at all and anybody from any country, I'm talking about Iran, Syria, countries that hate America, they already have people here and not so nice people. And we know about it. And we're watching We're watching them. I read today where we, there are hundreds and hundreds of people on terrorist watch lists that have made it from other countries into our country already. They're coming across and walking across our border, everybody. And so how in the world is that allowed to happen? How in the world who President Biden who is bound by the Constitution to protect these states against invasions, he's fighting against Greg Abbott in Texas, who's trying to protect the border in some places, and the United States, Biden administration, is fighting against him. Now, this is the world we're living in. It seems totally crazy, and it is. But the United Nations, they're pushing this global compact on migration. I mean, essentially, the United, the United Nations wants to even out the inequalities among countries through the movement of people around the world in an orderly fashion. And it's a, they say it's a necessary step to the implementation of global socialism. I may have added that in there. So, Andrew Arthur serves as resident fellow in law and policy for the Center for Immigrational Studies. He describes the situation like this. He says, were the United, State, United States to continue in the global compact for migration and were that compact to push to achieve the sustainable development goals, then our country would essentially have to implement an open borders policy to even make a dent in the inequality among the nations. Well, the global compact on migration, it's to be used to implement the global management system, the sustainable development goals. Well. Once, once the Donald Trump administration recognized more global governing restrictions on the United States, he simply pulled out of the Global Compact on Migration. He said, no, we're not going to do that. 
on uh, December 3rd, 2017, Secretary of State Rex Tillerson, remember him? He said negotiations on the Global Compact on Migration, they're going to be based on the New York Declaration, which is a document adopted by the United Nations in 2016 that commits to strengthening global governance and contains a number of, uh, let's say, policy goals that are inconsistent with the U.S. law and policy. And Tillerson said, well, while we continue to engage in a number of fronts at the United Nations, in this case, we're simply not, we can't in good faith support a process that could undermine the sovereign right of the United States to enforce our own immigration laws and, and secure our borders. Now, this is under the Trump administration. Tillerson said the United States supports international cooperation on migration issues, but it is the primary responsibility of the sovereign states to help ensure that migration is safe, orderly, and legal. And then, of course, the United States Ambassador to the United Nations, Nikki Haley. Uh, I don't know what happened to her, but anyway, this is what she said under the Trump administration. She was our United Nations Ambassador. She said, our decisions on immigration policies must always be made by Americans and Americans alone. She said, we will decide how best to control our border and who will be allowed to enter our country. So, the Trump administration said, off with your head, we're not going to be a part of this global compact on migration. We're going to say who, whether we have an open border or not, who comes in. Well, guess what? Here comes the Biden-Harris administration. And back in 2021, they announced, hey, we now fully support the global compact on migration. What does that mean? No borders. So they're not protecting their borders because they're told not to. They are abiding by the Global Compact on Migration. Okay, man, believe it or not, I've got more to get into on the other side of the break. Let me mention Ready Pantry really quick. You know, Americans, we want to believe that grocery stores are always going to be there and that what we saw a few years ago, that supply chains could quickly collapse, food supplies could diminish, and we, we pray for the best, but we prepare for the worst, right? I mean, what if there's a way that we could have an uh, affordable emergency supply of food? Readypantry.com slash time. They offer this great food, and not to mention the peace of mind you get to knowing that you have an emergency supply of food for anything. Power outages, hurricanes, grid collapses. Ready Pantry is an American-based company with all the products sourced right here in America. You're not going to be disappointed. And many long-term food stores companies, they give you stuff that's been sitting on the shelves for years. Ready Pantry does not do that. It's packaged within a couple months and that's what's delivered to your door. So Ready Pantry, they offer discounts of up to 20% off. Go to readypantry.com slash endtime, use code endtime, save an additional 10% off on your order, never pay shipping. So stock your pantry also with buy now, pay later options available at checkout by going to readypantry.com slash endtime. They don't understand what is taking place. Ruins struck many. Except a man is born again. He can enter or see the kingdom of God. I don't care what label you've been given or what label you've given yourself. You are essential. You still matter. This is a journey, and when we get to the other side of that, that's where our prize is. That's where our reward is.
time is not going anywhere. Welcome back, everybody. And say, Dave, why are we talking about this today? Because I know the Bible prophesies a world government. And I know that the Bible says that the eagle's wings mentioned in Daniel 7 representing the United States are not mentioned in Revelation 13 as being part of that world governing body. Revelation 12, we pulled out of that and we're standing with Israel all the way to the end. And I know there's an election coming up. And I know a lot, there's a lot of dynamics that are going to happen, and the, uh, uh, I don't know how we get from here to there. I know the Bible prophecies always come to pass. I can give you a list of them back for thousands of years. But I know where we're going, but we've got to be educated on this stuff because what happens is, is that God knows the end from the beginning. He's already seen all this stuff play out. I haven't seen it all played out. He went back to the writers of the Bible and he said, okay, Ezekiel, Zechariah, Isaiah, and all you Old Testament prophets, and John, and the Apostle Peter, and Paul, and, and while Jesus is here, he's going to write uh, the Olivet Discourse and, and talk about many prophecies. So they, they go in there and they write all this stuff down, the writers of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They all talk about, they talk about prophecy, and uh, they just, you know, um, and, and it's all laid out for them, the, the events that would happen. But how we get from here to there, I don't know. We're just going to have to live life. We've got to do the best we can. But some of my decisions are based on the prophecies that I know are coming. And I know that sounds crazy, but that, that, that's how I live my life. I know the United States is not going to be fully engaged in this world governing body in the end time. So I trust God in that fact. And I, I don't run around like a chicken with my head cut off scared to death. I trust God. I know there's going to be great end time revival. I know end time ministries is going to have a huge role in Israel. Number one, sharing the gospel of the kingdom around the world to everybody. But number two, we're going to have a big role in Israel in the end time. God helped us to establish the, God basically established the Jerusalem Prophecy College over there, both online and physically. And he's allowed us to have, um, to, to gain several in, very influential friendships in Israel, people that we will need, I'm, I'm watching it happen, people that we will need to carry out our God-given mission in these end times. God has just brought people along and I'm like, where are all these people coming from? But it's people that we will need in the end time to help us, miraculously. I've watched it happen for my father-in-law, Irvin Baxter, and those, we've got all those same friendships they became friends of my wife and I and of end time. And it's just like God is saying, I'm orchestrating this, Dave. You just get on board with what I'm doing. And I'm running as fast as I can to do that, to try to be a spirit-led individual and to make sure I'm just running as fast as I can to keep up with God. He's not trying to keep up with me. I'm trying to keep up with Him. And it's working out like a dream, everybody. It's awesome. But God has seen all this stuff play out. And so... I know that the United States is not going to be fully engaged with the world government in the end time. And so I'm wondering how this year is going to play out. 
because I don't know if Joe Biden will be the candidate or not. He may be the candidate. If I was the Democrats, I wouldn't want him anywhere near a debate stage with Donald Trump. I wouldn't want him on the ballot, honestly, but stranger things have happened. Again, I, I don't know. Or possibly they could get to the point where there's this big October surprise and maybe we go off into World War. I don't know. I know what the prophecy says coming and I'm watching that like a hawk. And it's happening so fast. And so I want to make sure that you're up to date on what's going on because I'm, I'm sitting here looking at nationalism and globalism 101. And it's very biblical. It's prophetic. There is a world government being created as I sit here and talk to you. And so let me go through one more thing here because I've got a bunch of them. There's no way I'll get through all this today, but I've got a bunch of them. How Joe Biden and Donald Trump or how a globalist works and how that globalist mindset works and how and, and complies with the a global establishment, a global deep state, a world government. Somebody who will comply with that and somebody who says, no, we're not going to do that. Whether, whether they're a Christian, whether they are a... I don't know where Do Donald Trump's at religiously. I don't know. I hear stories, I read articles, but I've never sat down and talked to him and said, what do you believe about this? What, what's your stance on this? Have you been born again? I don't know. And so, but I know where he stands on some things because I saw how he did through the first four years and what he's saying he's going to do this time. And so I'm, I'm watching all this. Well, let me talk to you about central bank digital currencies and show you how the mindset of a globalist, the mindset of a nationalist, somebody believe like America first, that mindset. In January, at one of his rallies in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, former President Trump vowed to block the creation of a federal digital currency, a central bank digital currency. He called it a dangerous threat to freedom, which is exactly what it is. He stated, let me, and I'm quoting here, he said, tonight I'm also making another promise to protect Americans from government tyranny. Can you see Joe Biden saying that? No, not on your life. Donald Trump says, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to protect Americans from government tyranny. He said, as your president, I will never allow the creation of a central bank digital currency. Now, that is a very, very, very good thing. We don't want, to, we don't want a central bank digital currency here. He said such a currency would give a federal government, or I'm saying even a central bank, he said our federal government, the absolute control over your money. That is, amen, Donald Trump, it will. And he said, they could take your money, you wouldn't even know it was gone, and this would be a dangerous threat to freedom. Okay, I say amen, 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 and amen. That is exactly what would happen. They've got the ability to control your finances if we go fully digital onto a central bank digital currency. Now, does that sound prophetic? I mean, obviously prophecies foretell, Revelation 13, 16, 17. There's a world governing dictator is going to use an economic sanctioning system to force people into compliance with his edicts. To do that, he's going to need to control the global economy. Of course, today the Federal Reserve and other central banks 
across the globe already control the economies of the world. I mean, so think about this very quickly. That's what Donald Trump said. So in the, in the early 20th century, both European and U.S. bankers, they wanted a central bank in the United States. But there was so much opposition to it, they decided that they had to do things in secret. So in November 1910, someone said, hey, let's all go hunting. But none of these guys hunted. Everybody watched everything these powerful bankers did. And so they had to be very careful. Well, they had these gun cases and they're playing the part and they go to a, a certain train station uh, to go to this secret meeting on Jekyll Isle off the coast of Georgia. And under the guise of this duck hunt, Senator Nelson Aldrich, Paul Warburg, and four other experts sneaked off to discuss banking reform at the secret hideaway on Jekyll Island off the coast of Georgia here in America. Those in attendance included Harry Davidson of Morgan Bank, Frank Vanderlip of the National City Bank, Benjamin Strong, Vice President of the Bankers Trust Company, Piet Andrew, former Secretary of the National Monetary Commission, and then the assist at that point, the, the Assistant Secretary of Treasury. Um, and so those are the guys that went. The real purpose of that historic meeting, that duck hunt, was to formulate a plan for the United States banking and currency reform that Senator Nelson Aldrich could present to Congress because Aldrich was in their back pocket. You think there's anybody in um, the House of Representatives or in the Senate that are in the back pocket of the globalist? Oh, man. Woo! They're all over the place up there, guys. So he had to present it to Congress in order to establish a central bank here in America. And, of course, at the secret meeting on Jekyll Island, the general outline for the Federal Reserve Act was determined. Paul Warburg, remember, was the principal architect. And so the purpose of the Federal Reserve Act was to place the control of America's money, of our economy, in the hands of private bankers. And if passed, the Federal Reserve Board would set interest rates, determine the amount of money in circulation. And now, up until that point, it was the job of our Congress, a group of elected officials, to do that. It's in our Constitution that Congress is to set the interest rates, Congress is to determine the amount of money in circulation, and that's how you regulate the economy. Well, it's going to now, once the Federal Reserve Act was passed, take that power away from Congress, put it in the, in the private hands, the hands of these private bankers. There was a guy named Mayor Amschel Rothschild. He said, give me control of a nation's money, and I don't care who makes her laws. So these guys were grasping for control of the economy of America. And there's an interesting quote from uh, uh, the book, The Creature from Jekyll Isle by G. Ever Griffin. And it says, if it were to be exposed publicly that our particular group, he's talking about these elite bankers, that we have gotten together and written a banking bill, that bill would never have had a chance whatsoever of passage by Congress. That was Frank Vanderlip, who was president of the National City Bank of New York. So the outcome of all of this, December 23rd, 20, uh, 1913, the Federal Reserve Bank was enacted and the Federal Reserve Act became law. Stock was owned by the private stockholders and they get private banking interest control of our United States economy. They've had control of it ever since. So Mr. Paul Warburg was the father of Federal Reserve and he actually bears the name and he moved to the U.S. in 1902, became a partner with Kuhn Loeb and Company began promoting a central bank designed and designed the Federal Reserve System 
That was in November of 2010. So, that's what happened. And now, today, 2024, the Federal Reserve has control of the economy of the United States. They set the interest rates. They produce in much of the inflation. They uh, control how much money is in circulation. And they control the economy of the United States. They control the banking system. It's a central, it's the United States central bank. Well, Donald Trump comes along in January and says, if I'm president, no central bank digital currency. However, he's America first, right? Well, President Biden, who is a globalist, he's the one that signed the executive order to look into the United States, the, the central bank, the Federal Reserve, he said the United States government implementing their own central bank digital currency, which the, the, it's the Federal Reserve, the central bank, a cabal of private bankers. It's a cartel, everybody. You know about the drug cartel? Well, we've got a money cartel here in America, and it's the central bank. It's a cartel of private bankers, a banking cartel, if you will. And so that's where we're at here in America. America first, no central bank digital currency, Donald Trump. Globalism, Joe Biden, he's the one that proposed the central bank digital currency in his executive order. And so there you have it, folks. It's the difference. It's the, it's the main issue. It's the 800-pound gorilla in the living room when it comes to our election on November 5th. Again, there are many issues, and we will cover many of those issues between now and then on the End Time Show. But I want you to understand, I don't want you to, to, to not be able to see the forest for the trees because it's globalism versus nationalism in this upcoming election. It's how we will determine the future of America. It's most certainly the most important election of my lifetime, if not ever, in the United States of America. God bless.